0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Folks, did you miss me? Well, if you didn't, too bad, because it's Monday night, it's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and it must be Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau.
1: And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. Okay, everyone. You know that sometimes this happens aboard all of the good starships. This is a particularly Cerritos-esque moment for all of us here in Mission Log. We are rebooting. We are restarting. Will this be good and become a recurring bit? We will see very soon. I have to say, I do feel that this is appropriate given that we are doing an entire episode about a technologically-based being if over the weekend you miss any of the announcements at new york city comic-con and if i didn't get to run into you on the floor and say hey i'm so sorry but i had the best time there there were a ton of awesome trailers that came out so i want to encourage you to chat with us about that online chat with us at roddenberry chat with me and norm because after star trek day this is probably like our last chance to get some super fun happy time hype Star Trek content before we start rolling into these new seasons.
0: Of course, this would be the way for me to come back on the show, right? Hey! Like with a giant hey! like delay. That was, <laughs> that was so apropos. That was so amazing. But you know what? The show must go on. We're live. I probably said things that were like behind the scene things like, please actually vamp and save me <laughs> because you're literally like the star of the show. I, I'm here literally for the food and uh, for some coffee and to uh, take everyone's uh, whipping post comments from the chat so
1: absolutely not this is star trek we love everyone we'll be sending an exocomp over with some complimentary coffee to everyone to make up for this uh
0: so as i was uh resetting like all of my stuff actually did you get a chance to tell everyone how to do the thing to get into the room to do the thing to talk to us
1: i did not so let's do that right now And in case it hasn't been made incredibly clear by the panic scrambling, you, the viewers, you right there, I see you, beautiful, sexy people, you are the most important part of the show, and we want to hear from you. So click on that Zoom meeting link or use the one tap on your smartphone to call us at 669-900-6833, enter the meeting code, and our esteemed Earl of the Green Room will let you in to chat with us tonight about what's happening to the crew of the Cerritos, or in this case, maybe some... Previous members of the cast of the Cerritos.
0: <laughs> so, as always, uh, I just wanted to thank everyone for your patience and for um, I'm apologizing for the snafu that we had on the tech side. Uh, usually, that doesn't happen. It happens to me more often than anyone else. It's because I'm going to say it right now, and for anyone out there in Florida, you may or may not agree with me, but I probably think you will. Florida internet is terrible, absolutely terrible. I am the victim of it um, tonight on our live show. But anyway, let's turn that frown upside down. I want to say hi to everyone here in the chat. Let's see. Oh, we have Paul, but Paul's yelling out Rhea. Rhea's not yelling back Paul, but a different Paul. And we have Scott Palm and we have another Paul. I think we have two Pauls here.
1: Two of three.
0: Uh, we have Carrie. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Dave. Hello, Carlos. Hello, Ryan. Alan. So many... F- fantastic people here so many familiar names thank you for being here matthew uh and thank you for being captain mike thank you for being very patient with us thank you everyone says you got this ashley i should just turn off my mic
1: that is uh very sweet everyone is so kind i could not see your comments but i believe that you are amazing and that you're the reason that we held out. I also, Norm, I thought it was so great that you were like so many mm-hmm. familiar names. And I was like, oh, is this going to become a recurring nightmare that we do a mission log and it's all unfamiliar names? <laughs> but unfamiliar names means new fans,
0: right? So that's not necessarily a bad thing or fans that have just never, ever chimed in before. This, Brandon, you're no Armin Schumann, but you are here and thank you for being here. I also want to thank John, Ashley, you, Shar, the whole team, Earl, everybody, for taking care of the show while I was gone. Obviously, you guys didn't have any tech problems, so... You know, this is what happens when I come back, you know, things just happen. Uh, I loved my trip to Canada. I love, I love the Canadian mascot. I love the Canadian beaver. I think the Canadian beaver is like the cutest mascot like ever created. I bought like so many shirts <laughs> with a giant beaver on it with roots because roots is like the couture du jour over there. And the Canadian Pacific Railway logo, I don't even know like if their trains run, but I do love their logo. I might even buy a patch, so... That's what's (laughs) that's what was going on with that. And Ashley, you just came back from NYCC. How was uh, how was a New York City
1: Comic Con? That is what we were. Uh, that's what I was choosing to vamp with while you were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great time in New York. I actually, when I was filming a promotional piece for New York Comic Con, um, that should go up this week. We were shooting our exit, and uh, a nice Mission Log listener came up and took a picture with me in the Crystal Palace. Uh, nice Mission Log showed out hard for me in New York City. So thank you. My hands don't make a heart, but just know that that's my intention. They're just funny shaped. Uh, to everybody on the East Coast who said, "Hey," while well, we were out there, and Norm, I'm sure you saw or saw the rothmoses on Twitter. There were, like, a ton of cool things that dropped in the Star Trek world as well, uh, including that Picard 3 trailer, which everyone was very excited about.
0: So, yes, the Picard 3 trailer came out, which was awesome. The the Star Trek Prodigy trailer came out, which was awesome. But probably the most awesome thing that came out that just kind of, like, showered, like, the social media feeds, the stuffed Murph,
1: the plushie. Uh, And uh – as with all of the greatest things available at any convention, uh, gone and unhavable almost immediately, especially if you're not going to the floor that often.
0: And I'm thinking about scouring eBay and like throwing out, you know, like my my niece's college fund that I've been saving for her. You mm-hmm. know, like at least all 40 bucks of it is worth a Murph, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. You would have thought after the, sh- the Murph shirt that sold out at uh, Start Mission Star Trek in Chicago that the Murph stuff would have come in higher capacity, but maybe next year
0: hopefully you know Mm -hmm. because well we'll see because now we have the next 10 episodes of prodigy coming october 27th ashley and i are going to be hitting that up but that goes right into what's happening on mission long so this week busy week fantastic week for content so voyager continues this thursday with prototype it's the one where balana saved a damaged robot and has to choose between doing things her way or the jane way Dun, dun, dun. That's, that's a great
1: line a plus i worked I very that.
0: hard on this before like the five minutes before we got on yeah Seriously. this is why they pay
1: you the big bucks
0: and they, they, well maybe i can put some of those big bucks into better internet service but we'll see, we'll see <laughs> i, I what thought what you happened. were going to say
1: into a mountain of stuff Murphs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that too because 40 bucks in a college fund doesn't really go a long way mission log like the orville so on the most recent episode, Captain Mike and Jessica Lynn Verde, they reviewed Sympathy for the Devil, which is a novella written by Seth MacFarland, which it should have been an episode in season three. So tune in to that recording and figure out why that didn't happen and what happened instead. Mission Log Engage is back. So if you are fans of Engage and want to listen to John and I respond to listener email and feedback, you can do so. We just covered some topics like command style and coffee looking at captain jane way or neelix and Kess, what were they thinking so please check out <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean that. of 100 fair <laughs> <Big
0: question. laughs> and those are comments that are sent in to us for john and i and us to read you know so
1: mm-hmm.
2: the
3: people want to know they want to know like what, what were, were they, they thinking, thinking?
0: <laughs> inquiring minds want to know i want to know mm-hmm. so Mission Log Prodigy, as we said, will be back on October 27th as the episodes roll out. Ashley and I are going to be back to record those. So for all of you out there, remember the format. Ashley and I review the episode, and then we talk about the morals, meanings, and messages. And then we talk about and feature our young cadets as they ask us the same questions we ask ourselves about the episode. So you can find all this content and more on the Roddenberry Entertainment channel on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. And for all of our podcasts, make sure you go to podcasts.roddenberry.com. We have something super exciting coming up next, right, Ash?
1: Oh, the most exciting. Something I can't even
0: bear so the responsibility
1: excited. of. And that is our beloved, our famous Twitter poll is back. But I'm... Yeah. <sighs> big uh james newton howard swell in the background the audience has spoken <laughs> and many of you have requested the return of the mission log live full and what better episode for it than this one Seriously. the question how did you react to the return of peanut hamper? who has now become one of the most controversial characters in recent hashtag star trek history in quote a mathematically perfect redemption question mark 40 close quote I so, was oh, so just kidding. <laughs> 40 of you voted for, I've been awake for like 40 hours. Uh-huh. Uh, 40 of you voted for, I want to see 80 next week. And so the choices were troubled exocomp youth, 27.5%. Wolf and exocamp clones, a whopping 72.5%. So I would say mm-hmm. that was taken in a landslide. We would love to hear what you have to say about this in the chat. But now... <laughs> It's time for the recap.
0: Oh, I love the warming of the hands. The warming of the hands. You know, that's that's serious business.
1: <laughs> like a tiny uh, thank, criminal.
0: <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for participating in the Twitter poll. We're going to get more of those out as the episodes roll. But here we are. Here we are with the recap of A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. Previously on Lower Decks. The USS Cerritos is about to be destroyed by the Packlids, and it's up to the Ensign Nexocomp, Peanut Hamper, to save the day by risking everything to upload a computer virus on the pack led ship to stop their attack um nope turns out that peanut hamper is out for herself and beams into nearby space and out of range of the fighting only to witness the uss titan save the day and tow the cerritos to safety from the debris of the battle leaving peanut hamper adrift and alone now, after some time has passed, Peanut Hamper has constructed a makeshift warp nacelle, along with her exocompish friend Sophia to keep her company. And when Drakmani scavengers appear, Peanut warps out of there, leaving behind Sophia to take one for the team in the scavenger's tractor beam. But Peanut's shoddy warp engine only takes her so far as it breaks apart, causing Peanut to plummet into an uncharted planet. As she comes back online, she finds herself at the mercy of Kaltoris, leader of the Areolus, the Areolus Yes, the Ariores, who one later may call a poor man's Aurelian. They are a winged bird-like culture who live amongst the trees, and Peanut Hamper is revered as somewhat of a deity amongst them, although it does curry favor when one is able to create candy for the village children out of thin air. As Peanut Hamper continues to shower the Arior with her signature brand of general disdain and condescension, she's shown the true beauty of their land and culture by Rada, 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 son of Kaltoris. And after a brief yet necessary montage of watching them grow closer as beings while learning about each other's differences, Peanut and Radha discover that no matter how complicated the parts, given enough desire, you could always find ways to make things fit. After their interlude, Radha bones up Peanut on how the Arior swore off their once superior technology so they could live peacefully and not constantly amidst warring spacefaring races. Ashamed of the good that Rada sees in her, Peanut confesses that the only reason why she's on Areolas is because she fled when her friends needed her the most. Even so, after a time, the two stand before each other, ready to exchange their wedding vows. Suddenly, the Drukmani scavengers appear and begin tractor-beaming up the very ground where the Areor village stands, which is atop their ancestors' ships, which have been buried for generations. Peanut Hamper sends out a distress signal, which is intercepted by the Cerritos. Captain Freeman orders Boimler to set course for Areolas to solve the mystery of her wayward ensign. Just as the Cerritos arrives, Peanut Hamper commandeers a Drakmani shuttle, rams their lead ship, and ends the Drakmani attack, all the while looking like the proverbial hero to her former shipmates, especially Tendi. And when it seems that the Drukmani are defeated, Peanut Hamper confesses that she's changed and has learned so much about being a better Starfleet cadet thanks to the lessons that Rada and the Arior have taught her. However, the Drakmani leader powers up one of the ancient Arior ships and attacks both the village and the Cerritos, claiming that a Starfleet communique told them about the ships to begin with. Drukmani leader even plays the message for everyone to hear. It's Peanut Hamper who sent the message. She confesses that her plan was to simply trick the druk into attacking the planet so the Cerritos would find Peanut saving the day, looking like the hero all the while, so that she would be taken back with open arms. And after defeating the druk and sorting out the deeply psychotic machinations that Peanut Hamper executed upon Arior just to make her look like she's still worthy of Starfleet, Peanut Hamper is considered too dangerous to remain at large. Peanut even tries one last desperate attempt to contact the Borg while Shax holds her in custody. Back on Earth, Peanut Hamter is locked away behind the transparent aluminum walls of the self-aware, megalomaniacal computer storage area right next to Agamis, who seems to have taken a very specific interest in joining forces with her. The end. <laughs> Ooh, deep breath and applause, everyone out there. Applause, applause. Thank you very much. Applause. Sorry, Jessica Lynn Verdi.
1: Applause, uh, applause. <laughs> we leave that joke out there every single time.
0: <laughs> it's It really doesn't wear out as welcome for at least a few seconds, at least. Yeah, oh. totally. How did you feel about this episode, Ashley? I know that we have a lot of callers lined up, but I do want to give us some time to talk about this episode, especially in lieu of... The Twitter poll, because the Mm -hmm. Twitter poll is so overwhelmingly on one side of the equation. Mm -hmm. Is that is that indicative of how you feel? And I'll see if it's indicative of how I feel or how the audience feels. Let's let's kick this off.
1: I would say that it is largely and broadly indicative of how I feel. And I know that when we do a Twitter poll and it's a this or that, of course it's a broad generalization. There are a lot of elements in this episode that I really like. Unfortunately, the focus on peanut hamper isn't super, super appealing to me personally. Now, that being said, um, I do think that the actress who provides the voice, I think it's Kether or Keith or Donahue, I think is super, super talented and takes these like wild swings with this character and really embodies the, I guess, dual nature of who this character is. So I enjoy the performance and there are like comedy bits that I find funny. And then there are elements to the bird people. I just am so nervous (laughs) of saying something that's going to have to be censored. I find them to be really fascinating and a really interesting addition to the track canon. I just don't know if I love these things coexisting in a singular storyline with um, Kissing Times on top of it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh yes, the the joining of cloacas, if you will, because mm-hmm. cloaca mm-hmm. being the technical term of um the bird orifice, uh where it does certain amounts of its business.
1: I uh learned about that from the Guillermo del Toro movie mm-hmm. <laughs> Shape of Water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I I understand what you're saying, and uh I'm keeping a constant eye on the feed right now because i know that there's probably going to be a lot of uh, opinions in the feed about this episode this Odyssey episode takes you know in social media looking at all of the different remarks it it feels like this episode touched a certain nerve and there's a lot of people saying you know or uh, kind of to the tune of it's either gonna it's either gonna win you over or you're gonna hate it there's like really mm-hmm. like no in between so very polarizing episode and but i do think that uh, in 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 the spirit of what we do in Mission Log for the morals and meanings and messages, you can see some of these certain like overarching themes. Like, are civilizations ready for radical changes to their culture to embrace technology once it's introduced? And then there was the spin on they were a technological race that buried their past literally because technology didn't serve their purposes the way they thought it would. So that I thought that was interesting.
1: I also wonder if some of those underlying themes that, I mean, yes, they literally come out and say that, but it's amidst the shroud of of, of uh, sub subterfuge of comedy and sexuality. But I mm-hmm. wonder if that is some of the reason that people are pushing back against this episode, because it is a starker reflection of something that we are currently struggling with in- the world right now but not in a fun way like the dove episode of people not being able to relax like that is something that anyone who's ever worked in freelance culture or retail or demanding like it's much more universal and i just wonder if maybe the delivery mechanism of this particular message is what people are driving against because i think again both of these two things we've seen represented in Trek before and represented by Lower Decks in a way that is, I would say, generally accepted as more satisfying.
0: Yeah, you know, when you kind of take a look at this, if you break it down on paper and looking at it in just terms of algebraic terms, right? So you have like the, the mortal being falling in love with kind of like the synthetic technology.
1: Very data. Uh,
0: yeah, and or like, in Blade Runner uh, 2049, mm-hmm. you know, there was the AI that was able to assume a certain human form. That Or in She, you know, with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, there are all these examples of this type of relationship, and it's done differently. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, and this is, again, this is out for the chat to kind of uh, to, to warm over. The big question for me is, would Peanut Hamper have elicited such a reaction if she wasn't this, like, one-tone but cute and cuddly exocomp? What if... Mm -hmm. This was reframed with a humanoid character with the same personality instead.
1: It's interesting because, in broadest of strokes, her again, um her personality is not all that different from Mariners. Like, yes. it, is, it is contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. I think we find the delivery of Mariners more charming because we've seen a little bit more of her actual characterization. We know she loves Jennifer. We know she loves her mom. We know she's super capable in a way that, like peanut hamper has always been much more broadly drawn and one dimensional. and again, one has appeared in one episode versus almost thirty by this point, but also two. Um, Um, is a tiny little robot and doesn't emote in the same way. I think that's something that I'm going to be mulling over as we chat with people. I think that's a very interesting, very intelligent observation about this episode and sort of the larger reaction that uh, I think Twitter in particular is having in this moment.
0: Well, in, in full disclosure, because I said I was going to get to my feelings about how I um, reacted mm-hmm, to this mm-hmm. episode. And I'm going to do this before we get into our first caller because Paul's waiting for us. But I, in, in my notes, and I'm going to read this verbatim, I said, okay. I'm probably going to be the one who says the unpopular thing about this episode, but I think this episode is the bridge too far for me. I love the fun and irreverence that Lower Decks brings to Star Trek, and for me, that is best shown in Mariner because she has checks and balances in her daily Mm -hmm. life for her not to be totally obnoxious. But Peanut Hamper just pushes the boundaries so far from this perspective that it, as good as the message is, I wanted the episode to be a, let, a less bit obvious and in my face about it. The tone of the episode just felt wildly out of balance, even for a Lower Decks episode. That's how I felt about the episode. I liked a lot of it. I just felt that Peanut Hamper was a freaking sledgehammer the entire time, and there was little to zero nuance in that character. So, And that's something that I felt is it wasn't worthy of a lower decks, you know, type of episode. It doesn't have the the depth of humor in the writing that I've always come to to learn or at least accept over many viewings of a lower decks episode. So that's that's where I stand with it.
1: I I would say that I agree. I think that that's all very apt. Um I also wonder a little bit to sort of add to the broader picture, if after the success of last week's episode and what a nostalgia bomb last week's episode was, and like Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek, I loved it. It is an arguably my favorite episode of Lower Decks. Um, so like I, I'm I'm just as much a sucker for that. But I wonder if no matter what episode came thereafter, short of You know, Leonard Nimoy and Nichelle Nichols returning to provide do and James doing providing to do voices for this. If there was anything that would have reached that level of excitement coming Mm -hmm. off of the Deep Space Nine episode.
0: That's that's a hard act to follow. It really is. And um, speaking of hard acts to follow, your question was great. And Paul, our first caller, is going to uh, follow up your act there, Ashley. So
4: one can only, you know, compliment what Ashley brings to the table. So, before we get started into this episode, I I need the open and honest reaction from Ashley on what she thought of finally seeing the kiss between Mariner and Jennifer last week.
1: finally, <laughs> finally.
5: <laughs>
1: now i need okay i they gave me one thing now i need the action figures so that i can make them kiss the way my my harley quinn and poison ivy are currently holding hands <laughs>
4: <laughs> too much information there that's okay um hey
0: you
1: asked you wanted
4: the, the honest
0: answer
5: paul you
4: hey, well you know it's it's um well now that we got that out of the way it's all <laughs> i expected it would be and thank you for that ashley um so i'm like vaguely dissatisfied with this episode. And Norman, it's interesting. I have to give Mike McMahon credit, though, for being out of the box. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's relied so much on cliche and, um, you know, throwbacks and all this other stuff. This one was out of the box. And yeah. good for him for trying and good for the actress for portraying this this character in such a just, like, evil. I mean, it sort of reminds me of the character in one of the... Um, uh, so Benicio Del Toro plays the bad guy in one of the Star Trek movies or Star Wars movies, The one of the last three where he plays both sides. And I'm getting a yep. feeling this one, you know, particularly at the end, why would she help somebody who tried to take her, right? that That just didn't fit any kind of scheme other than this is an AI who's processing logic. Is this whole thing about AI versus humanity? Is it... You know, don't let AIs run around on their own, um, particularly if they're untrained or, you know, it's just a bizarre, bizarre episode. Um, I love the opening, though, when it just rolled into that opening.
0: That credits was great. Like, oh, it really was. Absolutely Very smart.
4: stunning. The bird village where everything awesome. was, flying, you know, mm. and I was smiling and smiling and then expecting a Star Trek ending even with. But I got like a sledgehammer and Mm -hmm. maybe it's age. Maybe it's, um, I don't know. I have expectations on, on Star Trek shows, but credit, credit to the staff for trying something new. And, um, you know, I just, it's just odd. That's, you know, it's just an odd, (laughs) odd kind of thing. The, the, the relationship with the bird person and the machine is, you know, that's sort of the been discussed in a lot of movies lately. Um, I I just am confused. And um, hopefully next week we get, I hope they keep them in in that cell. Did you get the feeling that last scene with everybody in the cell is that they're all going to plot to overthrow everything?
0: There's Mm -hmm. a comment that I want to read for you from Ryan. And I agree. And I think that uh, I wrote this in my notes. I just haven't been able to get to it yet. But he says, truthfully, I suspect this episode is going to be building to something else. That's what, I mean, when you have these strong one-offs That don't really have a logical conclusion behind them, or at least within the the traditional beginning, middle, and end narrative. That means that either, you're right, Mike McMahon was way out of the box with this one and just said, hey, you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't go for broke, you don't know. Or it's going to lead to something else. Uh, John Arminio says, I thought the episode was a clunky experiment that could have gone better. I didn't love it or hate it. But is it because we haven't seen the conclusion of this particular story that was told in such an abstract way of what has led up to this moment. Uh, Ashley and I were talking about this offline and they said, you know, when you have nine out of 10 hours that are going to be told one way and you have that one oddball hour, that's told a different way. You kind of ask yourself, is that the best use of that last hour or one of those hours that you have so very limited time in telling your story for that total of 10 narrative hours or how, I mean, sorry, 10 narrative episodes, I should say, instead of hours. So yeah, it's just, it feels Odd. It feels out of place. It's definitely square peg, round hole, or cloaca and <laughs> exocomp I, orifice. So I, oh. I
1: just want to say that, like coming back. Um, after being off for a week to do this episode in particular, I feel like speaking with everyone so far has been really refreshing. And I so appreciate that. I feel like it's the most Star Trek fan thing you can do to be like, well, I don't know if I liked it, but here's the value in it. And I appreciate what they were trying to do. And that was really like forward and progressive. Like This feels like the most Trek-appropriate total conversation we could be having about this episode of Star Trek right now.
4: Mm-hmm. Or, i'm going I'm going to close before we move to Alan with this. Uh, we just found out this great trailer from Picard where we've we've saw you know an, an entity that we thought was long since buried, right come out and become you know this oh no, relevant <laughs> creature uh maybe he maybe he got a view of the trailer and who knows where Peanuts hamper is going to end up in you know season five uh next to the other guy i i who knows. But let's—I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's delivered some high-quality stuff with that staff of writers, and um, I, you know, pluses for experimentation. You know, uh, a couple of minuses for execution, particularly the ending. The ending was really clunky. But anyway, it's so great to see both of you, and we'll pass it over to our friend Alan.
0: All right, thanks, Paul. Thanks for calling and Good seeing you. Good seeing you. Okay, before we get to Alan, uh, we are at. Uh half the hour here, the bottom half going into, or the top half going into the bottom half. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Patreon, because Patreon is something that uh, we are very proud of in the Mission Log community. And we want to talk to you about some of the new things, some of the new programming that we have going on in Patreon. Now, a lot of you know, and hopefully some new folks in the chat will learn about, Patreon is our subscription service. You go to patreon.com slash mission log and take a look at different tier levels where you can subscribe to us, and then. Any tier level that is a dollar or more a month allows you to become part of our Discord server. And our Discord server has a variety of subchats that are talking about all things Star Trek and also different things like food and music and books and other movies and other fandoms, et cetera, et cetera. Now we have like an expansion now of different live shows that we have uh, during the course of the week starting with The Orville. That's helmed by Captain Mike Richards of Mission Log The Orville every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Mike is doing the recap show, and I think they just finished or about to do uh, About a Girl, which is Episode 3, Season 1, and they're moving on forward from there. On Sundays, we have Stargate Sunday, hosted by yours truly, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. And I just finished my first viewing of SG-1, and now A lot of people that love Stargate are interested in joining up because they want to talk about Stargate Atlantis, which is we're going to be talking about on Sunday. And then the new show that's coming up right now is a um, kind of like an an homage to the Twilight Zone. It's a chat uh, starring uh, one of our Twilight Zone experts, Matthew, on his Time Enough to Chat live channel. So if you want to see and talk about all about that, please visit patreon.com slash mission log. So many things are happening there. The community is growing. We would love to have you there with us. That being said, loving to have you here with us again. Alan, always a pleasure to see you. And uh I am very curious, I'm sure Ashley is too, about how you and it reacted to this because you are a uh, you're a very um, stalwart champion of lower decks, and y- you know you see and find the best things about it. But this one, I think, is a challenge. I think for a lot of people who are <laughs> just as optimistic of a fan as you are.
4: So oh, I just boy. also
1: wanna I want to throw this challenge out there uh, in Alan's name for best dancing in the Earl Green Room uh, next episode because we had some nice uh, dancing for Patreon earlier, and I very much appreciated it. <laughs>
5: Nice <laughs> oh yes well it's uh Norm, Ashley, it is great to be with you here uh today uh tonight uh, to discuss this well it's, yeah, it's an episode <laughs> you know i that's that's uh, being a little bit uh facetious because as you said um yeah, I'm I'm kind of a cheap date for this show. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I've seen like, oh, what a waste, you know. It, and as you said earlier, they've got X number of episodes. Is it worth it to devote this, you know, one of them to this story? And honestly, at the end of the day, if it's an entertain, if I'm entertained by it, if it's an entertaining episode, then I'm happy, and I I can honestly say that I was entertained by this. You um, like, like Paul, I, I kind of have the same sort of gut reaction to sort of the peanut hamper story arc, I guess. Um, for for uh, for want of of you know how to put it. Um, the fact that it started very very acerbic <laughs> and kind of stayed that way for a very long time, I think by the time that the nuance in what the, what the character was going through got to us, maybe it's a little bit too late for some viewers, and then at the end they just pull the rug out from under even that. So, you know, it's kind of... At that point, the people who were upset by you know or or weren't enjoying it in the first place were like, "Well, see, there you go, she sucks." (laughs) It's like you know, what's the point of that? So, I mean, I can see why people are having those reactions, but um, you know, overall, I like the bird people.
1: Mm -hmm.
5: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) and in fact, um, maybe you guys. Honestly, I'm not as, as up on the shows I'm about to mention as some of you guys might be. But for me, it's weird because Lower Decks has sort of like been billed as the Star Trek parody show. But I think this particular episode, they were kind of taking, you know, aim at like an Avatar the Last Airbender style animated show or uh you know the relaunch of voltron in certain ways with the you know with the ship you know uh the you know sort of like the the space combat i could sort of like you know when he's like for the flock that felt like a voltron (laughs) kind of moment
1: i'll make the head now i just want to know
5: everyone's favorite voltron characters Yep,
0: Lance. Just <laughs> yes,
5: saying. Lance. Right? Let's try. Come
0: on, really? Is there really <laughs> any other answer aside from Lance? Uh,
5: like, I, I, get what you're, I, I get Am I off base on that, or or do you guys c- can you guys uh, see that too?
0: I think overall, though, there were just a lot of different tones that were tried in this yeah. episode, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Brandon's comment here from the chat because I think this is really well said. Peanut hamper is like salt a little bit really brings out the flavor and the dish it's in a whole damn plate of it is terrible. Oh,
1: that nails it. There you go. That is so perfect. I think that's why we loved. Oh, I don't know what (laughs) their, they, them, uh, we'll just default (laughs) to a gender neutral pronoun. I think that's why we liked them in their previous appearance. And it feels a a little acerbic here by -hmm. comparison when like, it's the same team, it's the same performer. It's just a completely different type of story. Actually, if anyone is a Rick and Morty person, this is giving me the The Wall episode we get once a yep. season vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Or, you know, as much as we liked the episode last week, the Adam Pally character was getting that way for me too towards the end. I'm like, okay, mm. this is... He, he's doing Adam Pally stuff and that's great, but is there is there something else to this character? And then they did sort of you know, turn the corner with him, uh, and gave him sort of like a different, a little bit of nuance. Here, like I said, we got that nuance, but then whew, <laughs> away she goes.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up Avatar because I'm bringing up the other Avatar. I'm bringing up the James Cameron Avatar because oh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote an observation about. Oh there is definitely a James Cameron avatar vibe going on here with the interrelationships between mm-hmm. peanut hamper and Rauda on the planet, being a resource that scavengers will strip mine for technology, regardless of destroying the planet to get to the treasure beneath the land. Not so, on
1: indigenous people's day. I'm sorry.
0: I know, <laughs> sorry. I know the, oh,
4: sorry. The,
0: yeah. the coincidence is too thick, Yeah, you know, yeah, much, yeah. Like, much like peanut like is a uh, heavy handedness. So yeah. I'm just, you know, it's just, it was very one tone. That's, I think the biggest problem, that i had with the episode was there was there's so much nuance that's like written into a lot of the characters regardless of main or supporting like in lower decks that's like just something that i've come to expect from the writing and the the deafness and the cleverness you know of of what's being written for the characters and the subtleties and this character was just again it was one speed one tone all the time. You didn't even like buy the subterfuge. You're just like, this person's, this character, they, it, whatever you want to call them are evil. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't even give the character the benefit of the doubt because you know that there's no benefit of the doubt to be given. It's already been telegraphed since the very beginning.
1: But by counterpoint, are we expecting too much? Like, as illustrated by the final shot of this. There are a number of evil computers <laughs> in the can't. Like, are we wrong? <laughs> They're no, all going to go. The children, the children are out of touch. I'm. To <laughs> all- oh, yeah. I I'm,
0: I'm an old. I'm in olds. <laughs>
1: old. Look, if you got that Simpsons yeah. reference, you're not a children. I'm yeah, sorry.
5: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're... Sprightly tw- 21. The only good episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It stopped there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory. Like you have all of these powerful like AI programs, like all in the same jail cell, all next to each other. What could possibly go wrong? So here's my theory. Cause so I texted this yeah. to Shar, and I said, Shar, you know, I'm, I know that, you know, this is probably never going to happen, but I said, you know what? I think they're going to find a way to tear a hole through space time. And this is how you're going to get the Lower Decks crew into this strange new world's reality. Right. Ooh. Wow and go. and even better because this is never going to happen but if it does it'll be the greatest thing ever this is how Agnesmas becomes Jeffrey Combs in real life on strange new worlds
1: oh my god <laughs> oh, man.
0: in human form so you get Jeffrey Combs on another series I mean like live.
1: hashtag Jeffrey Combs for everything right, right? like way you' gonna argue there
5: <laughs> that's my prediction I'm yeah. sticking to it I will say one other thing. Uh, hopefully, you know, you know, one other thing about this episode that sort of didn't quite hit for me, and maybe it's just the writer's hat. I'm trying to pre- predict the way that the story is going to go. But, you know, talking about it being an Avatar-like story or a um, Fern Gully or whatever you, whatever sort of like Dances with Wolves. Ferngully, oh, Fern Gully! Um, oh person, <laughs> person from an advanced culture comes in and interacts with a, a more primitive one, so to speak, or, you know, so they think. Um, the the idea, I, there, there was something about You know, I thought it was going to be a story a little bit about rapid, you know, and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, too, but rapidly introducing technological change to a culture and the impacts that that change would have on that culture and, you know, what happens when suddenly all 36 of your children survive when that's not what you were planning for? You know, how do you accommodate that? You know How do you accommodate the fact that, you know, your elder who you thought was going to die battling the, uh, the sky snake in the great circle of life suddenly survives that. And now you have to, Care for him in the same way as at the same time that you're supporting these this vast population explosion, and how you know I could see this story sort of you know playing out over time as sort of like you know then they become the technological society that they originally rejected I don't know just a weird thought that I'd had when I was thinking about. Why this wasn't maybe a hundred percent resonating with me I don't know if that's you know taking it. You know, extrapolating too far, but it's just a, an idea
0: that I had. It's and a solid point. I'm sorry, I uh, should go ahead. I
1: was going to say that's also a tried and true trope in Trek. Considering exactly. how important the Prime Directive is, we are always yep. throwing our technology around, and they're drawing the Enterprise like a god in the sky or a goddess. Yep. Like, so maybe, maybe it's just too many tropes, and we're like one at a time, please. We can't mm-hmm. handle yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> time out.
0: <laughs> uh, when I was watching the, uh, and obviously, so we have sherry on deck people if you can't see but when alan started talking about the 36 hatchlings that survived i i uh i have just recently quoted so much ian malcolm in several of the recordings (laughs) that we've done about the whole you know nature didn't select you know you know nature didn't select them to survive you know nature selected them to be extinct there's a reason why natural selection is part of the fabric of nature because these 36 hatchlings that survived they're going to go on to propagate more of the species that's not supposed to be there if natural selection did what it did so yeah that's Good a thought. very strong point so
5: well on that note on that, on that lovely positive upbeat note uh, <laughs> as 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 paul has seated the floor to me i will cede the floor to 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 sherry um but it was great talking with you guys and uh hopefully we'll have some some more interest you know at the very least this was interesting conversation am i right Absolutely. Exactly. There you go.
0: Number one. Yep. All right. Thanks, Alan. Uh, thanks for calling in. Appreciate seeing you, man.
5: Yeah. Talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Have a good night. Bye.
0: And we have uh, Sherry. It's no spoiler because I spoiled her being in the green room. So here we are.
1: Hey. Hello. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Nice to see you again. How you doing?
1: Good to see you both too. I'm doing good. good.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like I'm kind of
3: in the minority. Like i okay oh, i also was like okay with the episode although i don't think it's one of those things where you either hate it or love it i'm just like I had a good time that's fine like i mean <laughs> i'm not mad about it i'm not not gonna be my favorite episode um last last week's uh ds9 it's like <laughs> a perfect piece mm-hmm. of television but mm-hmm. um this is right. this is fine um, I think I think part of the thing that actually kept me from being as mad as I might get about other things is that Peanut Hamper isn't one of the main characters. And I know that for a lot of people, that was the problem. But for me, like, it kind of just doesn't matter to me Like, what happens in her story. I can just be kind of... I, I see it as kind of like a one-off of like, you know, maybe she'll come back with Agamus. That could be fun. But, uh, you know, otherwise, it's just kind of a one-off. There's nothing like... I'm not. I'm if she, if I didn't really necessarily feel like she acted out of character because I don't know enough about her character to say she wouldn't do this or she would do this. Um, I think that's the, that made the poll hard to answer too because um, actually at so at the beginning of like when she it, when she first started to like seem like she was maybe being redeemed, I thought, well, you know, maybe she will be a good person, but I wasn't shocked when it turned out that she wasn't either i just didn't have any like emotional like attachment to one way or the other i was just like oh well that checks out too.
0: <laughs> i guess i had this weird kind of uh, assumption that if she was created by starfleet and programmed by starfleet therefore she would think and act like starfleet right
4: mm-hmm.
3: i don't know like I think that's what so i'm so- thinking. But that, I mean, that was Data's whole premise, though, that the exocops had, you know, gained sentience, and obviously they can then be their own people. And if you can be your own person, you can also be a bad person.
0: I guess so. I mean, <laughs> like... yeah, it's just it's a huge radical change. I mean, again, what what do you expect when they they kind of like painted the picture at the very beginning where you know it's like here here's the Starfleet heroic mission that you need to go on because this is what Starfleet does. She's like, nope. See ya. Bye. And it's not like you're going to change that programming from that point on. I think that programming sticks, right? So I don't know, maybe this is one of those kind of things where I need to rewatch it again and maybe see if there is nuance there. It's just the, the few times that I did watch it in preparation for the show. That's not what I got. Um, I wanted to there's a there's a great point that carlos brought up about the natural selection of the bird people and he said uh natural selection doesn't play in here because the culture didn't arise naturally it was contrived by the ancestors no i get that but the point is is that you know if if you're going to interfere with the natural selection of something you're obviously changing something not for the not for the right reasons you know whether it was artificial to begin with or not so um Yeah, I don't know. Ashley, I was like, do you think that if you watched it more times, you would get more out of it?
1: Um, I don't think I would. Personally, (laughs) my opinions on things don't change a lot the more I revisit them. It usually just kind of backs up whatever biases I already had from something going in, unless it was like seeing a trailer versus like seeing a full-blown episode. I've watched this episode twice. (laughs) I was not, as you may recall, in love with this character and the way that we chose to revisit the exocomps in this way the last time we saw them so i just think i'm gonna put this in the column of like this was not for ashley and that's okay if there's one episode of season that i am lukewarm on it's still batting way better than a bunch of other shows (laughs) i'm watching so i I appreciate the big swing maybe it's just not the swing i would have taken
0: That's okay. i was waiting for harvey birdman to pop out of the side you (laughs) know somewhere because <laughs> you know, they um, were so drawn like Javi Birdman, right
1: uh uh keather uh, uh donahue who provides the voice of um uh peanut hamper is is also the lead of a show called bird girl i was looking at her imdb the other day so you evoking Birdman there there is just very funny in a weird like intersectional <laughs> way of this actress's career
0: apropos apropos um one last idea for me sherry and then uh, we're gonna have to say goodbye to you and get torn sure. next caller
3: um i did want to ask if either of you've ever played breath of the wild um of about uh, breath of the wild um because uh the Specifically because the bird people in it, there's a bird people in that game. And the bird people in that game reminded me exactly of the bird people in this show. <laughs> and I think that's part of the reason that I actually didn't mind. Like, I, I liked the episode because I liked the bird people in that game. So I was like, oh, it's like being with the bird people in that game. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> I just liked it. There's they're all the Rito. So
0: A silver lining like for every viewing. Stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> zelda fans are gonna love this one
0: <laughs> i'm gonna so date myself with a zelda the last game i played was ocarina of time no wait wind i love
1: that one
3: yeah i think the rito are also in wind waker but they look very different than they do in breath of the wild
1: yes uh i just i actually just got breath of the wild so i'm about to have played it so i'm gonna look then out for the bird people the, yes
3: yes rito <laughs> village they're, they're, where these people live you'll, you'll, you'll see it when you get to it you'll be, it looks exactly like this planet I'm okay like, oh. i'll let
1: you know it might be literal <laughs> years from now but i will bring this back around <laughs>
0: yeah. next season when we talk about lower decks and what happened to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from- thanks so much for calling in it's great to see you again
3: yay thanks right. bye. bye
0: bye and uh next up ria with a uh, not so controversial wallpaper for today's episode
1: coming with set design What's okay. happening? So
2: I have to defend this episode's honor. This sure. yet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was shocked to see like the almost universally negative, you know, <laughs> reaction to this episode. Um, I, uh, okay. I have a lot to say, but I'll try and be brief. So, cool. um, I love how new track is swinging for the fences on a lot of stuff. Like, you know, Discovery is just not for me. It's one I like to watch on mute because of the beautiful men. Um, Strange New Worlds, you know, you had the fantasy episode. Not my cup of tea. I'm, I've never seen a fantasy anything in my life. I've never seen a horror movie in my life. So, you know, those genres kind of lose me. But well, Strange New World is so good. This episode, um, another swing in for the fences. And it took me back to all those cartoons in childhood with, with – like in every single one, there were birds that went caca caca. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, it. I mean, I can't even name any shows that it reminded me of because it was so long ago. But it, I love kind of that childhood nostalgia for me. Um, it, Peanut Hamper. I do agree with people that like Peanut Hamper. Who cares about Peanut Hamper? Um, but I like how, and you know, she she ends up on this bird planet next thing you know you're watching an episode on a bird planet and i actually forgot about the crew of the cerritos mm-hmm. and um was a little bit surprised when they showed up at the end and then remembered it was a lower decks episode so i do like when star trek can take you out a kind of like um the ds9 episode that's my favorite that i can't think of the title of right now um far beyond the stars beyond the stars yes Not oh, the star, which is an animated
0: <laughs>
4: so
2: i mm-hmm. do like when star trek does that um uh, assignment earth kind of being another one and i thought there were a lot of star trek themes in this in this episode um it reminded me of
0: wait did you uh, say assignment earth yes you are not talk you I not talk
2: <laughs> i love assignment earth
0: all
5: right
2: um, even before you know the the supervisors made their return in picard but um uh, why am i blanking out on episode names kirk and marimani
5: Oh,
0: uh, the side of paradise, um, is it the side of par- no. paradise? No paradise
1: is the one of the spores.
0: Right. Yeah. Paradise yeah. syndrome.
1: Yeah. I am. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I Go was on. getting a little bit of paradise syndrome vibe from this. Um, and, and I actually, okay. So I'm obviously not a very discerning viewer of anything because peanut hamper had me fooled. I thought she was, you know, I don't know, going to change her ways and become not evil. Um, so it did fool me when she, you know, at first when she sold everyone out at the end but I was so glad she did because it would have been too Pollyanna, Rainbows and Sunshine if if Peanut Hamper were redeemed and that's kind of what shocked me most of all that people were so unhappy with that but what about Lore?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Lore's another one that's pure evil, irredeemable one note, just a bad guy um, Peanut Hamper I, I genuinely think that she you know, considered staying on that planet for a little bit and I don't know, at least the thought crossed her processors, but um, she's a narcissist. She's, they don't change. I, I really appreciated that dose of realism in there. And if you've ever known someone that's like that, there's no, I hate to say it, but there's some people that there's just no redeeming. And, um, you know, yeah, it's happily ever after when they do come around and become not evil. <laughs> but,
0: well, that's why I asked, like, would it have been different? And, and obviously in your example, it, it is, you know, for many people that if it was a humanoid character with that kind of just, you know, in, you know, invasive narcissism all over like the screen, you know, would it be if, you know, accepted as differently? Yeah. And like, we know when we're seeing lore, we even know that it's not lore when it's lore, you know, because there's just a certain, like I said, that just kind of that narcissistic quality, even in an Android kind of seeps through. And I I think it just goes back to that whole, I thought, just because you're programmed by Starfleet and you're Starfleet and you're Starfleet this, and you've been, you know, conditioned by Starfleet and now, because you're conditioned as a program and an AI sentient program that, that that you're going to act like Starfleet. And I'm just like, maybe it was I who was being completely naive about this character. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I didn't give the character the character due do, because I was judging it from what I think a Starfleet character should be acting like, as opposed to the character itself.
1: I had, like the character. I had two thoughts from what Rhea brought up. And firstly was bringing up the idea that if Peanut Hamper had been redeemed, that would have felt disingenuous. And as you were saying that, I was like, yes. So I guess I would have been dissatisfied with whatever they did, no matter what. <laughs> so again, maybe that's maybe that's on on me but also it was so interesting that you evoked lore because i love lore as a punchline in lower decks but like i despise lore as a character and mm-hmm. then i was like maybe all of this pseudo-narcissistic characterization is just bringing up all of our dating histories and it's evident <laughs> through our output on social media <laughs> who maybe had one go around that wasn't that great
2: <laughs> yeah and you know norma you said made me think of um I was, I was stroking my beard thusly. Um, <laughs> some of the other androids and programmed by Starfleet, or at least by people in Starfleet. Um, of course, the you know the the ultimate computer, um, yes, <laughs> and lore being another one, and basically anything that assumed touches, aside from Data, <laughs> that turns evil. Um, You're not wrong. Where's the lie, though?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs>
2: There's one other I was thinking of now. I can't remember. Um, oh, gosh. I'm tired. I'm sorry. My brain's fried. Flying planes is hard. I, Captain Mike can do it. I thought anybody could do it. No, my brain's fried. Um, I know.
0: Now I know. you should try We should give you a podcast on top of that to talk about as you're flying planes. So... You
2: know, hey, why not? <laughs> that's a tradition.
0: <laughs> no, but you, you make a really good point. I'm, I, and I'm glad that you're advocating you know, for the episode because I think that in the in the social media space, I've seen kind of like the sliding scale of positives and negatives. It's like the, the, a lot of people like giving it the episode a try. They just weren't like fans of the peanut hamper character, but they like the rest of the episode and the messages. And that's just like the one sticking point. But and then some people are like, you know, I just love Mike McMahon for being fearless. In the, in the space of Star Trek and just going for broke because it doesn't feel like anyone else really is. No matter how high the quality of the other series, they just don't feel like they're risking anything further than uh, the, the status quo of quality, you know, where fans know exactly what they're getting, when they're going to get it and how they're going to get it. And they're satisfied with that. It's like going to a restaurant and you can order from the menu and know exactly what you're going to get quality wise. But all of a sudden chefs change and that chef is swinging for the fences and challenging your taste buds. And these either going to be a huge win or a terrible loss. Right. But at the same time, you're like, well, never tasted that before. Hmm. That was kind of interesting. So I think that in that space, there's something that people can work with. I think that there's just a the whole, yeah, I'm not quite there yet, but maybe or mm-hmm. nah, there's eight other episodes before this one that were freaking or seven episodes that were amazing, especially yeah. the one right before this one, which is just like, you know, the, the three course meal that you've been waiting for.
2: Which, and I love DS9, but that one wasn't my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. It was good. It, you know, it was great. But and it, I do like what you said earlier, Ashley, about how, you know, Trek fans are being very respectful in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about yeah they're, they're, you know they tried not my cup of tea and i do think it disagrees with you a little more i think strangely world is swinging for the fences too on on some mm-hmm. of this stuff rolling the dice and taking some risks with their different genre episodes when they do a musical episode which i know they will i'm gonna roll my eyes and you know whatever but but, but i'll be that fan that's like yeah not my cup of tea kind of like i was with the fantasy one um mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I'm I'm so glad that they're taking these risks. And, you know, you you said earlier, Norm, that, you know, you only have 10 hours or in this case, 10 half hours. Mm -hmm. You know, is this the right way to spend one of those? And you throw a caca in there. Yes, it's the right way.
1: I mean, the meme content that came out of this episode is going to live forever for a long time, even if it's only in the Mission Log Discord or all of us on Twitter. But it's very memeable to cause, like, there will be, we will see bird people cosplayers. I can't say what they're, I can't, I'm too delicate, uh, at STLV (laughs) next year. Mark my words, we will see bird people. (laughs) I can't wait, especially one with abs like that. Yes. Oh yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> you had to love, you know, Rada coming in and just being all glistening, right, and proud, just like literally like strutting like a you know a peacock just through the crowd, like "Hello, ladies."
5: <laughs> hey,
0: Ria, is this the first time that you and I have been on uh, Mission Log call together? I think it is.
2: I think so.
0: Oh, I'll stroke my. Uh, I'll I'll do the full you know kung fu master stroke on the beard. <laughs> You know, all the way across the chin.
2: <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I need to shave. But yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we, have <about> a, <laughs> we have about a minute left with you. Any last parting thoughts for us before we uh, let you go?
2: I debated doing a really loud cacao, but that wouldn't be very nice. So uh, Small cacao. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. Gonna, another great episode. Thank you for letting me on to defend its honor. And, Thank uh, you for
0: defending its honor. I thought that was amazing.
2: But I am looking forward to the peanut hamper and evil Jeffrey Combs computer, you know, collaboration that might be in our future.
0: Mark thine words, or my words. Mark my yes, words.
2: We'll see the view of this episode changes
0: after all of that. If that actually happens, this could be like the greatest episode of all time. Who knows?
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would, I would love that. That would be so amazing if we were all like we didn't even know what we were talking about last uh, year. The, yeah, it was like
0: the the ignorance level of uh, what was going on was way high.
1: So. Everyone's gonna be like, Ria was so right. We just need to mm-hmm. listen to her forever. We'll make yep. those shirts. We'll make them. <laughs> Ria yeah. was
0: so right. Oh so
1: right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I wish
0: one. laughs> Arya, thanks. Appreciate you calling thanks in.
2: Thanks a lot. Great to all see right. you. Bye. Again. Bye. <laughs>
0: Well, for a, actually, you know, for a a seemingly controversial episode, it was, like you said, it was a pretty robust conversation. Nice to see a lot of size represented here.
1: I have to say that I'm always so impressed with what everybody brings to this episode. Spoiler alert, Norm and I will chat a little bit before we start the episode. And everyone comes in and blows my mind each and every time. And I feel like I've gone away. Um, uh, a smarter viewer of this episode now. I don't know if my large scale opinion on it changed, but I've had a lot of interesting mental stroking of my own beard, and I just really appreciate that that's what everyone brings to the show each and every week. Nobody nobody skims on the opinions.
0: Well, I, I think that you know we have um, we are fortunate to have you know a viewership and an audience and you know a body of fans that I I think that really like reverently look at star trek as a whole you know they're going to be favorites obviously that the cream rises to the top differently for everybody Mm -hmm. but you know i do love hearing the popular opinions and the controversial opinions because the controversial ones aren't controversial to those who like those particular episodes or those particular you know parts of our fandom that you know let's face it 56 going on 57 years there's going to be beyond like a level of variety that people just aren't going to be comfortable with anymore. That's like literally like a mile long buffet of every single possible different food that you can think of. You're not going to eat it all. And you're going to scoff at some of it. And you're going to be like, why is this next to this? They don't belong together. But at the same time though, it's this great, this this great melting pot of opportunities to be able to find something that you like. So,
1: I mean, and wouldn't wouldn't we rather be spoiled for choice? I mean, also, I, I'm like, okay, cool. Episodes over. That was that was really good. <laughs> but, uh, but how lucky are we that we also are part of a fandom that has this much variety? That if the worst thing we can do is sit down and argue about this episode, we're all in pretty good shape.
0: And on those words, wise words to end on. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided to you by the duke of the earl of the green of the room be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from roddenberry podcasts if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log thank you to ashley v robinson for co-hosting this week always glad to have you here and thanks to everyone who joined us live or will join us later we look forward to discussing the next episode of lower decks season three with all of you next week